0: Welcome to the Hellraiser Podcast Hello there, welcome to episode 35 of the Hellraiser Podcast I'm Peter and this is Phil Hello Hello And today we're going to be talking about a book The Hellbound Hearts book of short stories Yeah It's just called Hellbound Hearts 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 So they're short stories written by all different people And it's all based on the mythology created by Clive Barker's book, The Hellbound Heart. (laughs) Yes. Don't, Don't get confused, you know. I'm trying not to confuse anyone. Right. The last thing I want to do. Okay. I'm too confused myself already. Yes. So there are 21 stories and we didn't want to shortchange you lovely listeners by doing them all in one podcast and rattling through them all very quickly. So we're going to split it up into three podcasts, part one, two and three. <laughs> and rattle through them quickly. And rattle through them quickly, but only seven at a time. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about the first seven stories in the Hellbound Hearts book. Mm. Hope you enjoy. So this is the time for our spoiler warning. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the stories in all their glory. Now, first of all, this book is brilliant. If you haven't already got it, you should get it. And if you listen to this without having read the stories, just be prepared for the fact that we're going to tell you what happens in them. So you can then go back and read them and you'll enjoy them, mm-hmm. but it would be better if you read them first. Yes. So that is your spoiler warning. Consider yourself warned. Mm-hmm. Now you'll be spoiled. Ooh. <laughs> so we begin. We begin with the story Prisoners of the Inferno, Ooh. written by Peter Atkins. I know him. You certainly do. He wrote Hellraiser 2 and Hellraiser 3 and Hellraiser Bloodline. Crumbs. And he was in Hellraiser 3 as the bar man who... Barbie. ...becomes Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a really nice chap if you hear him interviewed or him on any of the commentaries. He's from Liverpool, uh, like Clive Barker. He knows Clive Barker from uh, from way back. Mm. And he's written this story. Okay. And let's go into it. Let's have a look at it. So it's set around the world of collectors who collect different bits of memorabilia and mainly seem to be film-related things. yeah. It's quite well written in that, isn't it? The, yeah. Um, the, the sort of world of these collectors who buy little lobby cards and... Yeah, especially when you think that, you know, people might be going to conventions and buying this book at conventions and things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he gets... The main character is called Jack. And he received, gets the, buys his lobby card of a still from a film from the 1930s. Mm. And it says it's called Prisoners of the Inferno. And his friend, Carducci, who's another collector... It rings a bell with him, and he says, ah, well, that's from a film that was called Prisoners of the Inferno, but then it got re-released as The Cabinet of Dr. Coppelius, Mm. which is, of course, a play on The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which was a 1920 German silent film, Mm. which is very good. But this one, The Cabinet of Dr. Coppelius, is seen as a hoax because one guy put a a biog about the film online on a website, but no one else could find anything about it. It's supposed to be a US UK film from nineteen thirty two, a silent movie, and this is all there is about this film, this one thing online. So they no one thinks it exists. But he's got a picture of it. Under its other name. Yeah. And um he's sort of been drawn into a few of these board posts online mm. with someone who's mysteriously sort of giving a bit of information about this lost film. Yeah, but then stopped after everyone had to go at him for being a liar. <laughs> yeah. And also, Carducci says, well, there's, there's a difference. There's a reason why they cut it. The Capellius version never killed anyone, he says. Ah. Mm. And so Jack goes online and just puts a post up saying, hey, anyone got any information about this film? And he gets an email straight away saying, do you want to see it? That's a great moment, isn't it? It is, yeah, because it happened straight away. And Fantastic. It's and this sort of well written as a dormant website. Yeah. And suddenly you just get an email saying, Do you want to see it? And so there's like someone that. monitoring this website all the time. Yeah. And he goes around the house that he's invited to. Yeah, so I mean this is a kind of slightly creepy setup. He goes around to the house yeah. and there's Walter with the movie and Lenny. Yeah. Who's another creepy guy. This weird, skinny, creepy guy. Yeah. And they um play the film for him. They do is... it's the Capellius version, isn't it? Yes. And um he says it's kind of boring, even for him. Yeah, <laughs> it's can, hard, hard to get through. And he really likes <laughs> boring old films. Yeah, and he, but he says he can he can tell it's been cut. So he can tell there might have been a different version. The title card is different to the rest of the titles, and something about the end, he says, it seemed rushed and recut. Mm. So he goes off being a bit disappointed. Mm. But Lenny says to him, did you like it? And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lenny said, it's not as good as the real thing. And goes off. So, of course, he thinks he's talking about Prisoners of the Inferno. Yeah, the original film. So he then gets warned off. Jack gets warned off by Carducci um, hanging around with these guys. with Yeah, because he's heard of these guys. They're creepy and weird. But when he gets invited to go and see the real thing, he jumps at the chance. Yeah. And um, he sort of hints that they were into occult things. Yeah. They're hanging around with LaVey and, yeah. you know, they're, they're not nice people, you know. Not nice people. Um, So you start thinking, oh, you know, what are they into in this weird yeah. little house? And so when he goes around to see the film, it turns out that when Lenny said the real thing, he didn't mean Prisoners of the Inferno, he meant the actual cabinet that features in the film. Yeah. And the cabinet opens. And who comes out? But the star of the film, Alice Lavender. Hmm. And she's all weird, doll-like, pale-face, expressionless, black eyes. Stitched up. Mm. She's kind of like a sort of automaton, yeah. Cenobite-type yeah. creature. And she pulls him into the cabinet. Yep. Yeah. And then he meets the doctor. The doctor. And his palms open to show the terrible implements that bloomed from the stigmata. Then he says, time to play. So that's kind of your... Um, <clears throat> so there you go. Dr. Tennard type character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. been playing around with these people inside his cabinet. Dr. Coppelius. Um, this is... I really like this story. It's it, really good. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's very great. evocative and it really makes you feel like you're there mm. in it with this character. No, it's really well written. I mean, there's loads of little details at the beginning about how he kind of tricks this store mm. owner... Stall odour out of the um, card, you know, by putting it in amongst loads of other things that don't mean anything. Yeah, (laughs) you know, he's like, Oh, he's an amateur, you know, I'm just going to take this card. Yeah. Not going to pay him the right money for it. Um, I think Carducci's really pissed off that he didn't get that picture (laughs) (laughs) himself. Yeah, Yeah, so that's quite funny. And then um, there's just some little details, like when he actually goes to the house to see the cabinet, there's this, like, really ancient old man. There, mm, who's yeah. just sitting in a chair, and Lenny's kind of like, "Should I make you a pot of tea, David?" As they send <laughs> Jack into this room with the cabinet. Yeah, and you're, you're like, "So what are they? Are they kind of like weird puzzle guardians? You know, these guys yeah. who they look after this cabinet and so, bring people to it." Let's talk about the cabinet then. Mm. The cabinet is. It implies that it's sort of a. It's a portal to hell. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about this in the world of Hellraiser, of course. So, but it doesn't need to be solved or opened by our hero, Jack. It's just sort of there. And these guys invite him to it and it just opens and... Yeah. It is a portal to hell. That's it. So does that I mean it, it's constantly open? And they choose whether when you open the door that opens the portal? Or do you think something needs to be done? Maybe a ritual needs to be done? And that happens just before Jack gets there in this story? Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's not mentioned, is it? It's not. No, it's... it's ambiguous which is really lovely it's almost like i mean as with all hellraiser things there's always a puzzle to be solved mm. and it's almost like him well, finding the card exactly going online registering his interest you yeah know, watching the movie all of this stuff is all what he, he needs to do the puzzle of this film yeah and that was him you know come on in yeah come on in um but he doesn't there's a sort of reference to him kind of, you know, he doesn't look, he doesn't seem horrified in no. a weird way. He's kind of mesmerized yeah. at the end. Yeah, he know? is. Yeah, so completely. He's kind of beautiful. Uh, but he, this character of Jack, he's not a typical Hellraiser character of of someone who's into pain and pleasure and stuff like that. Mm. He just seems like a kind of sort of regular yeah. guy. Yeah. Who ends up completely out of his depth. Yeah, completely. <laughs> So that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. Good that's one to start with a, as well. Yeah, it's very good. Very good story. Very well written. So, move on to story number two, which is called The Cold. The Cold. By Conrad Williams. Mm. Now, this one immediately is really interesting and yeah. slightly odd. It takes you... It took me a bit of a time to get into it, but then when I did, I was firmly in it. It alternates between uh, the story of a detective who's looking into some murders... And it alternates with the third person story of him and his inner monologue, essentially, as he's walking around and his thoughts. This detective is called, well, how are we going to pronounce it? Either Gravier or Gravier. Yep. Which we go with for today. (laughs) Let's go with Gravier. Gravier. Okay. Um, so he's he's um, investigating these murders that have been taking place of of, of girls. Yeah, it's set in been... Manchester. This one, so we're back in the north of England, mm-hmm. and they've uh, they've been cut open and sewn neatly back up again. Yeah, uh, and there's no there's nothing been taken Mm-mm. taken away. So he's a bit confused. He is, as you would be, as you would be. So he's trying to solve this, and he's a real classic British detective, hard-bitten... Yeah. Come on, son. Give me a Come coffee. On, except no, he's from except Manchester. The... <laughs> but, you know, that's what comes to your mind, isn't it, when you think about yep. him? Give me a tea, a coffee. I don't want a latte. Yeah. <laughs> now get a fuck out there and do your job. <laughs> There's this poor guy Simmons who's like the other police yeah, officer. Who, like goes home and tries to go to bed, and then he gets a phone call. He's, he's he's like, on, Come get out of bed, Simmons. Simmons! What the fuck are you playing at? Get on with it, Simmons! Oh, nobody makes tea as bad as you do, Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite nice. Um, and not for Simmons. <laughs> not for Simmons, but it's nice to read. And he's um, he's the classic cop uh, because yeah. he drinks too much. Yeah, he cares a lot. Mm-hmm. He's burnt out. Yeah, he's got no. Spends all night him. long, self walking around trying to solve things. Yeah, this is the interesting thing that he walks around at night a lot. Mm. You know, almost to the point where he can't even walk anymore. And they get this weird flash all of a sudden of a little story about how he was in love once. Yeah, with a woman that he just saw. Yeah, very briefly. He just saw her. Yeah, and then he was amazed, and, and he's entranced. been obsessed with her ever since. And he followed her, and she disappeared. Yeah, and that's it. She's gone. Um, so he's in this mystery, and yeah. there's stuff, there's graffiti turning up yeah. on the wall saying stuff like, thou art all ice, thy kindness freezes, mm. and stuff like that. So um, he's he's in a real mystery here. The, the, there's, it's all snowy time of the year. Yeah. Ice everywhere, snow. Mm-hmm. These girls turn up dead, frozen. And uh, it's really evocative a lot of these description here, yeah it is the sort of the streets with the litter and grime here's something that I've always been fascinated by and something that's always frightened me it says um, low wattage bulbs burning in the upper floor flats secret homes what went on who dared to know <laughs> that I've always found really fascinating that you're walking along yeah and you look at a building and you see a light on, one light and you on. You think, what's going on in there? What are they <laughs> yeah. up to? There could be, you know, Frank on the floor with no skin on, or there could be just someone watching or TV. Someone, yeah, someone watching TV. Someone, someone on their iPad. to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So it, it, it's really quite evocative. A lot of this, I think. Mm. And then he meets this guy. Yeah, this is very creepy. Mm. He sees a strange man hanging around, who's really tall, six foot four. Yeah. And he's got a sort of beanie hat on mm-hmm. that's all stained. And mm-hmm. he smells disgusting. Yeah. And he's got horrible teeth and. And he's just sort of hanging around. Yeah. And he's creepy. And uh, he starts talking about being lonely mm. to the detective, saying, like, you lonely. You know, maybe this is why the murders have happened. Yeah. Because people don't want to be lonely. Uh, he's got his hands in his pockets so the detective says you know pull your hands out your pockets let's have a look what you've got there yeah. and when he does he's just got these like huge hands or something like that with nails, horrible nails really big nails so uh, yeah with filth <laughs> it's all pretty creepy yeah uh, and he just thinks I've got to get away from it he gives him this strange fellow gives him mm. a business card yeah which is completely translucent yeah and it's got the name Lady Ice written on it if Mm -hmm. you tilt it in just the right way. Yeah. Nothing else, no contact, no No. details. Which is great. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, So the detective is is going, this is really creepy, maybe I should arrest him, or I I should go. He walks away, and then he sees the guy. Well, just before he sees it, the guy says to him, she could be yours, you know. And he says, what do you mean? The girl of your dreams. Yeah, And he walks off. So he knows about this girl of his yeah. dreams thing, and he's but like, then, oh. but then yeah he takes he <laughs> take his beanie hat off and he's got his exposed brain underneath it, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so he thinks that's a bit weird, so <laughs> then he just goes back to the police station, yeah, because i' am convinced I must have seen things, yeah, next bit is back in the nick at time for breakfast, sausage sandwich and a tangerine hot sweet tea. <laughs> Uh, yeah mm-hmm. so weird freaked out uh, he's kind of becoming a bit obsessed with this whole situation the yeah. frost the cold obsession of course is always a big theme of, of Hellraiser stories yes Um. he has a bit of a breakthrough where he thinks maybe the person isn't cutting them open and taking things out maybe mm-hmm. he's leaving things yeah so they have a look and they don't find anything no so that's not working so he keeps walking at night time and he finds himself in a part of town he's not been before. Mm. And he turns up in a sort of dark hallway. He just sort of turns up here. Yeah. And he's invited in. Yeah. And who is, who is it? But Lady Ice. Yes. And she says, welcome to my dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always great when a, a lady you've just met brings you in and says that to you. Yeah. Um, and this is a fantastic room. Uh, there's an operating table, dentist chair, cage, mm. things that writhed on and in of them. There were glass shelves of glittering surgical instruments wet from whatever task they had been put to. Uh, masks that weren't masks at all hung from cords and turned in the hot still air. Yeah. So you're like, oh my God. I noticed you skipped over monstrous dildos sculpted from raw bone. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> need to skip over that. That's amazing. <laughs> That's my favourite bit. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, he's in big trouble. And she puts a finger across his jawbone and leaves an icicle there. Mm. It's amazing. So it's turned to a line of smoking powder. She's uh, very cold. Uh, She's super cold. Super cold. Super cold. And she's all dressed up in kind of weird sort of latex rubber and black and ice. And there's a lady splayed out on the table. Her innards exposed, Mm -hmm. clamped back with pins like a dissected frog. And the guy we met, Henry Johns, the guy with the exposed brain under his hat, he's there, bent over this dissected girl, sort of breathing in, breathing in the aroma of her organs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and then she dies, and it's almost like he breathes in her soul. Yeah, he. uh, It's really strange. He sort of sucks in her. And now he's all of a sudden he's just he was he was the creepy. The creepy guy. Mm. But now he's just like a minion of Lady Eyes. And he's a bit of a push to the background now. Yeah. And she's like, I'm sorry about him. (laughs) I'm sorry about him. Bad manners. Um, So, yeah. I love some of the description here is great. Henry John's exposed brain shook like a jelly (laughs) against the collar of what remained of his skull. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Uh, So, yeah. And then Lady Eyes kind of offers a sort of choice. Mm Mm-hmm. Where she says, we've got the girl of your dreams. I know who she is. Will you go to her? Yeah. And he's kind of like... What? Yeah. And then... A bell tolls. Yeah. And this thing turns up out of the floorboards. This... Well, it's called sort of like an old rotting corpse zombie lady. Yeah. So this is the woman of his dreams. This is his yeah. soulmate. His, yeah. Because... Lady Ice said, we've all got a soulmate, she's yours, here you go. I've put you back together again. And she basically is like a dead zombie yeah. who sort of eats him, bites him. <laughs> yeah. And then it says, and it, he finally understood what it meant to give yourself to the person you had been intended for, even if you had been born a couple of hundred years too late. Implying that she was, you know, 200 years before him, which begs the question, who was it he saw? When he first saw her. Yeah, was it a ghost? Was it a ghost? Was it a ghost of his soulmate? Did someone put that image in his head to eventually bring him here? Yeah, it's a weird one. It's very strange. It is very strange. It's very good. No mention of, you know, puzzles, puzzle boxes or hell or... No, but I mean, Lady Ice is clearly, she's a you know, a Cenobite. Cold Cenobite. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he's kind of unlocked what's going on here. Her and her minion, yeah, uh, murdering girls, yeah, who were all soulmates, maybe for people, or was that just to coax the detective there? Yeah, who knows? Very no, ambiguous. I this don't one, know. But but um, yeah, an odd one. I do like when I first read this. one, I wasn't sure how I felt about it, because I felt a bit frustrated that it not enough was explained. Uh-huh. But when I've now I've reread it a couple of times, I, I do enjoy reading it. And I don't mind that it's a, an unexplained mystery because I really like how it makes me feel. The whole thing is it's more of a mood piece mm. to me than a, you know, a piece of prose or a story. Yeah, I agree. There were there were a couple of stories that when I first read them, I think I felt they were maybe a little slow, mm-hmm. but um, I really enjoy reading them now. Yeah. Um, oh, that's the good thing this about this this book. The whole book it's really re-readable. Yes. All the stories. Oh yeah, they're 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 very good and uh, yeah this one's got a really good mood very evocative and um, and an interesting sort of take on the sort of Hellraiser idea of celibites (laughs) and what they want and what they're doing Mm -hmm. This isn't for your eyes It's for your ears Right let's crack on so we don't have a two hour long podcast (sighs) The Confessor's Tale Hmm. by Sarah Pinborough I just love the first sentence of this story a wolf stole Arkady Melanov's tongue when he was 10 weeks old. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that is a great, great beginning. Yeah, and it goes on to say that it might not have been a wolf. Some people say it might have been his mad mum ripped his tongue out. Mm. So yeah, the poor guy can't but, talk. Yeah, we have this tongueless main character, Uh huh. which obviously is much easier to do in written, the written word than in a movie. <laughs> yeah. So it's perfect for a, a story. Um, so, basically, there's all these rumours that his mother mm. was taken to the boyar's castle, the guy who sort of rules this area, yeah. and um, because she was found, she'd bitten his tongue out, ripped his tongue mm. out when he was a baby, Yeah. and they did stuff with her and then burnt her because she was obviously that yeah. witch or something. Obviously. So it doesn't specify when this one is set, but it's obviously, you know, yesteryear. Yes, yes. Yes, I mean, there's a very distinct thing in my head of what it looks like. Yeah, me too. But uh, when yeah, that yeah. is, like, we can't. Doesn't matter. It's, it's sort of like point. a fantasy land, really, isn't it? Yeah, in a way. In a way, um, <laughs> Game of Thrones <laughs> 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 stuff. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, it's a, a very evocative. So you've got this sort of tiny little village where he lives, mm. uh, and you know, there's this mystery. He's an orphan. Yeah, he can't speak. Uh, His mother obviously was taken away or died or whatever. Nobody knows. We're not sure. Um, His father gets ill and dies. Mm -hmm. Uh, His father was a baker. Yeah. And he's sort of taken in by the person who takes over the bakery. Mm. And he's given this package. Yes, that his mother had. This lady who's taken over... She finds this package in a cupboard and says, I need to make some space for my, my and my son's clothes. Found this, you can have it. It's got your mum's name scratched on it. Mm. And it's like a puzzle. It is. Ooh, Little pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, tiles. Yeah, little it? tiles with like lines on them. Yep, black lines, sort of symbols. <laughs> so he gets that. Doesn't know what it is, but he's, he likes it. Mm. And this is a great... Uh, story to sort of show that thing of that we've talked about before of how Hellraiser-esque puzzles have a call to someone. Yes, yeah. Because he sort of becomes a bit obsessed with it as soon as mm-hmm. he starts picking it up, he can't stop touching the pieces. Yeah. He and... has to lie them all out next to each other. Yeah. Look at them. Uh, and he says he knew with a certainty he couldn't place that it and the other pieces were formed from the bones of dead things. <laughs> so there's something really weird about this. <laughs> why his mother had it know. No idea. And, We're never um, told that. Arkady doesn't really know about puzzles and stuff, so he's just trying to solve it and doesn't really yep. have a clue what he's doing. And then all of a sudden, he gets someone confessing something to him who knows that he has no tongue, so can't talk back or tell anyone about what he's telling him. Yeah. And so this other character confesses to Arkady that he killed a pig. <laughs> Yeah, he took it into the forest and carved it up when it was still alive. Yeah. Not very nice. And this is a bad crime because they've yet yeah. got much food. Yeah. But it's also pretty weird. He's also <laughs> saying things like, I could feel its fear and pain, it was beautiful. Things like that. Yeah. yeah it's a bit much. Yeah. Uh, and he says, I think maybe next time I might try it with a person. I think that would be better, don't you? He's re- and he's smiling, he's really getting off on telling this mute boy this story. Yeah. And then he's found dead the next morning. Yeah. Been skating on the river down by the forest and the thick surface had given way in a freak accident. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So they say. Yeah. yeah. However, when Arkady looks back at his puzzle, he sees that one of the tiles, all the black lines, mm. have turned red. Mm. Ooh. Interesting. Interesting. And he sort of says, you know, there were nine more tiles to go. hmm And then what? So it becomes then. Every time he gets a confession by someone, one of these tiles turns from black to red. Yeah, and he never looks for them. He just no, just people just come just up to him and just tell him say stuff. Stuff to him. Yeah, and they're all unfortunate things, you know. Yeah, nasty things, mm-hmm. which we don't need to go into now. But you can, you you should know if you've read it. Yes, but eventually there's only one left. There, nine of them have turned red. There's only one left. Yeah. Um now he has a bit of a change in life at this point because he, he goes to work for the boyar. Yeah. Live in the castle as a manservant. Now this is because this guy is a known to be a bit of a deviant mm-hmm. and a bit weird, who likes murdering people and doing strange things. Yeah. And she's thinking, Well, you could be his servant and you can't tell anyone what he's done. So <laughs> exactly. you'll actually be you'll get on really well there. And he gets there and, and he's sort of very passive and emotionless mm. and the boy always, he wants to shock him he mm. wants to he keeps showing him weird things and things he's doing yeah he's like poor is sort of tidying up after <laughs> horrible orgies yeah. and yeah. weird things and uh, and the boy's like what would you think of that then sonny yeah nothing can, can't can't do anything to shock him so eventually decides I know how to shock him and he tells him the story of his mother, of Arcady's mum, yeah, who was brought to the castle, that was the true story, yeah, and pretty nasty things were done to her, yeah. He finds the puzzle that Arcady's got, mm. and it reminds him, yeah, yeah, of yeah. her mother, of his mother, and he, the boy, uh, says that basically, your mother was, you know really deviant mm. she, she did bite your tongue out she enjoyed pain you know and she had no limits so basically she turned him into even more of a deviant yeah. than he was you know yeah. uh, so they had this horrible crazy relationship and this was the final confession Hmm. yeah and that turns out to be the final confession yeah the puzzle is completely solved and then of course the Cenobites turn up and they've yeah. turned up for Arkady. Mm. And so immediately he doesn't care about the boyer anymore. He's like, well, you're, you don't matter anymore. And the Cenobites not only turn up, but they say to him, you are Cenobite, one of us. Yeah, they, they change him in the way that uh, we know and love. You know, they stitch him up and cut mm-hmm. him and pull his Well, they Well, t- they turn open. him into basically the chatterer. And when I was first reading this, I thought, oh, is this a an alternate origin story of, of the Chatterer? Because it's a young boy who's being turned into this thing with his face ripped apart. But the main difference is this one, he's got loads of snake-like tongues that come out of his mouth, like Medusa's hair. Mm. So it's not the Chatterer, but it is no. a kind of... But his mouth is ripped apart. Yeah, similar sort of thing. Mm. And he is now the Confessor. The Confessor. <laughs> And uh, one of the Cenobites has jeweled pins driven into its skin and skull at regular intersections and network of grids. Mm. So this is the Cenobite from The Hellbound Heart by Barker's book. Yeah, or, um, as we were discussing slightly earlier, uh, there's a thing of that the Cenobites maybe do mutilate people in similar ways. Yeah, maybe. So it could be someone else with a similar pinhead style. Maybe. We don't know. Maybe. But basically, a very happy Yeah, this story. is great. It's a happy ending. It's a happy story for Arkady because he's now going to torture the boyar <laughs> forever yep. and be a Cenobite and you know all these kind of emotionlessness is dropped to. away and he's become absolutely what he wants to be. Yeah, it's great. I like that one. <laughs> it's a great story. It's a yeah. really good one. It's very um, evocative. It reminds me of... Uh, the real story of like the is it Jules De the count who was into murder and black magic and mm. weird stuff like that you know uh, I'm just going to nod and say mm. <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> not uh, a clue what you're talking there's, about there's, there's yeah some, yeah absolutely yeah, there's yeah. some true stories about people oh yeah um, who did that and uh, this one's quite nicely woven into it mm-hmm. very good very good night next Hellbound Hollywood mm. by Mick Garris. Now, this one is very interesting and very odd. And it's set in 55 Ludovico Street. Yeah. Which, as I'm sure you remember, is the very house the events of the Hellbound Heart took place in. Yes. Yes. And, of course, Hellraiser. Yes. So, and there's a guy, the lead character, he's in this house doing a recce. He's location scouting. Because he is making a low budget horror film in this house, yeah. So this address was an address of some infamy mm. back in the nineteen eighties. It said it was sort of a wicked black hole, an old dark house that feasted on blood and flesh of the innocent. Yeah. So this is this is set in the same universe definitely as the Hellbound Heart, because the things did happen in this house in the nineteen eighties, mm-hmm. and no one really knows what. There's some talk about weird things happened a black hole as you said yeah but there's definitely something happened there so we know that and this guy wants to make his independent horror film in this house yeah and he's you know he's pretty down on his luck he doesn't want to make a horror film per se no he doesn't he thinks they're really low he had some (laughs) success yeah uh, and that's gone now and Mm -hmm. he's kind of a bit washed up and washed out yeah Um, so he's looking around this old house Mm -hmm. and they describe the house you know from yeah hellraiser they do yeah yeah Yeah. he goes up to the the attic or the the damp room as it's known in the book Mm -hmm. and this is where it starts to go slightly odd uh slightly yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's just thinking about lenses so i know we could use up here to film and then he sort of just passes out yeah it seems and he's hearing something saying what have you dreamed yeah. What do you want, you know, and this sort whole of thing. Uh, and, and basically... Across the Rim is a Cenobite. Yeah. A Cenobite you probably couldn't get away with doing in a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really weird. This is the... Yeah, this is the height of sexual violence, I guess, combined. Yeah. It's... Indeterminate Sex, it says... It's got massive pendulous breasts and a cock. And this, these are all wrapped in chains. But the most interesting thing <laughs> is its head, which is basically a massive vagina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really weird, like mm. a monster, yeah. you know, a complete monster. Its head is a big vagina with teeth. Um, loads of wounds, padlocks, yeah. stitches. Mhm. Uh, yeah huge vagina head um, and it starts to uh, talk to him Mm -hmm. and it's basically trying to sort of get him back into into sex, sex give him a libido, give him desires and passions and he's basically, he says that he used to have a lot of sex and he used to have desires and libido but he doesn't really anymore yeah, it says this is why you are here, because you possess imagination Imagination. yeah Um, and he's kind of a bit too washed up to be bothered he's like "Uh," which is quite an interesting yes it is you know the cenobite is saying oh come and have some of this and he's like oh i don't really want to Mm -hmm. Uh, but he says what he wants is success yeah you know film success he wants success as well he wants success in the world of film yeah and this creature's like yep we can do that yeah totally can have that as well given to your physical need and your more grounded desires will also be fulfilled yeah um then <laughs> 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 then <clears throat> it opens its big vagina head and sort of eats his head with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah okay and while it's doing that he can't breathe but still he uh, gets very aroused and ejaculates everywhere yeah and then the rest of the guys on the film turn up and they're like, what's going on in here? And he, and he wakes, wakes up. up. <laughs> and he's like, oh, God. Ooh. And he's all sort of turned on and the hot and so on. What's the phrase they use? His head covered in pussy jam. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, he... He's, he the, I mean, that's a hugely weird scene, of course. Yeah. Um, and he... Is uh, he meets up with um, this is like a script supervisor. A script supervisor, yeah, the young lady, and all of a sudden he's got massive libido and he's thinking, oh, she's a bit of all right. I'd like to give her some action. <laughs> yes, so he takes <laughs> her upstairs, her pussy jam. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, takes her upstairs, and they sort of start having sex. Yeah, they start having sex, and then all of a sudden. When he's inside her, it all gets really hot. Yeah. And it's like they're fused together. Yeah. And then the Cenobites turn up. And, yeah, you can hear lights and there's a mm-hmm. camera. Yeah. And basically they're filming them. They're filming them. And... It... And there are more than one Cenobite now. Yeah. To go along with the giant vagina face, there's a big penis head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah they they just kind of yeah they're filming them on 35mm film (laughs) having sex and being torn to pieces yeah like their meat is being pulled off them and there's some really interesting (laughs) images here where he says like a a, a, a sort of bar began to revolve and peel a long strip of our flesh Mm. which took on an appearance of a barber's pole Yeah. yeah amazing and blades began to spin and strip us of our meat so really weird yeah and he's like... And that's the end. <laughs> he says, I lost my grip on consciousness, unable to call out, cut. Yeah. So that's <laughs> really it. like They're just being tortured and ripped apart while they're having sex. Yeah. So, for the so, pleasure of the Cenobites. Kind almost, of. Yeah, it's almost like they're making a film they can take back to the rest of the Cenobites. Yeah, this is Cenobite porn. Look at this. Look yeah. we did. Um, yeah, so really strange story. Very yeah. atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Uh, very... Hellraiser, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's very graphic. A, yeah, and it it wouldn't happen in any other universe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no. There's no puzzle box or anything no, no. like that, but there is. It's it's purely looking at desire and yes. sexuality and the perversion yeah. of sexuality and what is it that you want and physicality and, and... sex and violence combined, which is very much a, a theme of Clive Barker's stories. Yeah, right. Moving on to mechanisms. Uh-huh. This is by. Christopher Golden and Mike Minola. Yeah. Illustrations as well by Mike Minola. Yeah, so you may know from Hellboy. Hellboy. Uh, great artist, really like him. Mm. And this one, this one's brilliant. Yeah, this is a great story. Yeah. It revolves around a character called Colin who's mm-hmm. summoned away from his school to go home because his father's disappeared. Yeah, so he goes back to the old, the Family old homestead Homestead. Uh, his dad disappeared, and basically, there's been a sad story, you know. Yeah. His mum died his a long died. time ago. His dad became obsessed with trying to contact her. Yeah, using, using an Irishman spiritualist. Uh, but then he got obsessed yeah. with creating a mechanism. Yes, because there's a weird noises coming from the walls, thrumming of machinery and something or other. So the dad gets obsessed with this and he thinks if he can make his own mechanism that can be in tune with this one he can hear he might be able to do something or other Well, that's, not really I mean, that's never said but, so it's never no. explained as Colin walks around at night he can hear this mechanism through mm-hmm. the walls and yeah. he can't make this machine do anything that his dad's created no he's he's got- he finds the machine in the, in the basement yeah. with all these tubes going into the wall and pipes going into the wall yeah, and he can hear something through the wall and he can feel it, but he gets people to dig all around the outside of the house. But these pipes don't go out of the house; yeah, they really. just disappear into the wall. So, I mean, really evocative. All of this, really yeah. good, mm. really like, It's like what, a, it's a on? real mystery. This one, yeah. What is going on, uh, and what is this machine? And I love old weird machines and <laughs> cogs and stuff like that Yeah. so I was really really loving that mm. as well and the illustrations from Mike Mignolo just little bits of mechanism yeah. are brilliant really cool and the grandmother character as well grandmother Abigail Yeah. she's being really kind of aloof but she's just trying to make sure that he doesn't follow his dad in this obsession Yeah. She, she does she really care about him horribles happen yes. something weird but um, she doesn't know what no. Uh, so Colin's like, right, I'm going to find out what's going on here. And he basically gets a bit drunk and mm-hmm. decides to try and operate the mechanism. Because the grandmother has told him that to operate it, you get in it. And yeah. And work it from the inside. Yeah. Um, and so he's there and it's a really brilliant description of how mm. he operates it. Like yeah. he's kind of pressing pedals and moving levers and... Breathing into a tube. Yeah, we have to do it in, in the right order. Mm. So he starts to find the rhythm yeah, of the machine. And before this, he thinks he's heard his mum's name called through the wall. Mm. Along with the thrumming of the machinery. Yeah. Which I think the dad heard as well. I mean, yes. that's, that's, what I, that's what I took from it. The dad, the story that we don't see is the dad heard his wife, his wife's voice possibly calling to him yeah. through the wall and this machinery, and he thought if he could make his own mechanism that is in tune and in sync with the one in the wall, he will get to meet his wife again. Yeah. So, but Colin sort of hears his dad's voice calling for his mum through the wall. Yeah. And um, so Colin's in the machine... Yeah, he starts doing it and he managed to get the rhythm mm-hmm. perfectly matched. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes aware that he's in this massive place. Yeah. But there's nothing there. And he can see close by his dad in a machine in perpetual motion, yeah in unison, uh looking for his his wife. Yeah. So he's just So saying, he's Deirdre for all eternity calling out to Deirdre mm. and Colin's behind him all eternity calling out to his dad. And, uh, and then he hears his mum say Colin <laughs> so it's as if this voice his mum's voice is calling to the dad and now calling to him as well and he's desperate to get to her and so they're basically he's, trapped him, in yeah, this he's perpetual da- cycle trapped in the same place as his dad they can't stop the machine mm-hmm. and they can't stop breathing into it and moving the levers and the pedals and stuff so yeah. I mean that's really frightening it is it's terrifying that's why I like this one yeah it was genuinely really creepy at the end. Thinking, really oh. creepy. So this is a great story. I mean, it's brilliant atmosphere. It's it's quite a slow story. Yeah, it's a slow burner, but that's but there's there's that angst for the whole thing. Yeah, you're anxious and you really want to know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's um, quite intense. Lovely illustrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, really well done. Yeah, a great great tale. and a really good idea a really good look at something different you know another aspect of it is that the machines become yeah like a puzzle box Mm -hmm. or become like hell yeah very much so you know whoever operates this machine eventually is going to figure it out and then they're going to be trapped Mm. in this place yeah good stuff Mm. wonderful marvellous we'll tear your ears apart so the next one penultimate story for today Every Wrong Turn by Tim Lebon hmm. He knew the way to hell because he had a map. You know, they've all got great <laughs> opening yeah. lines, these tales. That's how they? you get people. You have a brilliant first line you suck people in and then you tell the story. Oh, wonderful. Um, so, yeah, this yes, one's very simple, really, isn't it? Very straightforward. It is. It is. It's, 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 it's all about the kind of the, the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a guy who basically, he's got a map. He's found this labyrinth yeah, he's been obsessed with the idea of labyrinths. He's been seeking out labyrinths and mazes, mm. trying to find the right one. He's, you've got this map somehow. They don't really say how, but it, they say it found him rather than him finding it. Mm. And eventually, finds this particular maze, and he's in a maze, looking around it. And it's a, it's like a garden maze, you know, yeah. isn't it? It's hedge maze. It's like a proper yeah hedge maze. And uh, it's kind of weird. It's a bit of a weird place. But he seems to know what he's going towards. He seems to know that he's going to hell, yeah, he, he basically wants to do it yeah he he's 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 um done a lot of bad things in his life, and yeah. he thinks he's found out that he could find the cenobites essentially or hell, mm-hmm. and he should go to them, yeah, and they should take him, and that'll make everything okay, yeah, because he's a bad guy, he's a baddie. and um it's really weird this man there's so many great little details like he's he's yeah. so, so sees some fruit like strawberries twice the size, the colour of a bruise. And when he touched it, it was warm. Yeah. He left it alone. And you're like, what is that? Um, so, yeah, he's basically going around these uh, this maze and seeing sort of tableaus of yeah. what he's done. Of bad things he's done in the past. The first one is where he sort of date-raped this girl that later became his wife. Yeah. But it wasn't a very nice thing to do. <laughs> no. People listening. No. Um, take note. So, he is seeing all these bizarre things yeah. he's done he and doesn't like them he's turning away from them yeah as you would you know he sees that and he's like oh god I don't want to relive yeah, it's, it's almost like he's reliving things, it again yeah. so he's like I don't want to relive you know doing that I don't want to relive um, all the bad things he's done and they just alluded to which is what I like about this story it's just just small things so you know he yeah. murders some guy uh, <laughs> by smashing a, a nail into his head with a yeah. cup there's a guy who's got some nails in his skull because he loves pain and he says he wants to feel pain he's got sort of his leg ripped open and held by matchsticks and knitting needles Mm. and he's got three i think it's three nails just tapped into his skull but not through it so he won't die Mm. but then our our main character gets a mug smashes the nail into his head and kills him yeah because he's not because he's like you're a charlatan yeah Yeah. but this the main character is he's into pain he's you know you get all these things of like what's he been doing over the years he's been doing every possible bizarre weird thing yeah you know and he had a daughter and he left her and mm-hmm. it's just awful and and, and terrible basically yeah um, he's just hurt everyone that he's ever known and just been really bad and he keeps seeing all these things and just going oh god you know I don't want to relive this again where are these people from hell why will mm-hmm. they take me and he eventually finds his way to the center of the maze. Yeah. And he meets the gardener. Yeah. So the gardener a... is the Cenobite for this story, uh, and he's just kind of like a, a almost become a plant. You know, mm. he's like almost is the maze. Basically. Yeah, this guy's brilliant. Um, and there's that's great. You know, there's like dried flesh hanging from long stems and mm-hmm. blood and stuff. Really creepy. So basically, he's like, why am I not going to hell? Where where, where do I go? And the gardener's like, well, look, you know, you've seen all these horrible things that your desires have created. And you've turned away from them. So obviously, you don't want it. Yeah. You've avoided them. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, you should have given yourself to these horrible moments, but Mm -hmm. you didn't. No. Oh, there's the police. And he's going, but I belong here, you know. And the gardener's like, no. You belong nowhere (laughs) until you really learn to feel the pain of what Mm -hmm. you've done. So he's trapped. Yeah. And he's sent back into the maze and he's sent back to relive all these bad things he's done again. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, you can't, it's almost like Cenobite training camp. He's like, you (laughs) you can't become a Cenobite until you truly relish the horrible things that you've done. So we don't know what happens to this guy. He might just have been wandering around in all eternity Mm. not accepting these things he's done, or he might eventually say, yeah, I did it. Yeah, that was good. And then become a Cenobite. Yeah. Who knows? Who don't know? So that's a a nice sort of ambiguous ending on that one. Mm. Um, Good story. Yeah. Uh, Very interesting. I mean, I like it when you just see a little flash of something. Like like something, yeah. There's a bit where they're talking about some guy... Tattooing a bone In his leg And screaming <laughs> and stuff and, You know There's just Weird images Yeah and, and some strange things Going on Which is cool uh, But yeah Good tale Yeah Good tale Good tale all round And our final tale For the day Is The Collector By Kelly Armstrong mm-hmm. And our main character In this one Is a lady Who Solves puzzles huh. And she finds This puzzle online and she keeps solving the different puzzles that are put up every 24 hours or so. And she's all excited about it. And they're all getting, getting harder every day. And then the, finally, she gets an opportunity to go and solve a real puzzle in someone's house. Mm. So she goes to the house. And what's there but the puzzle box. No. The lament configuration. Yeah. And it's this old lady asking her to do it. $5,000. Yeah. So basically she's been doing all these different puzzles almost as like a test. Mm. And when the person, this old lady, has decided she's been good. Yeah. You know, she's good at she's it. good she's enough um, to do it. She's got her to the house to do the puzzle box. Mm-hmm. She said, my son's the collector, really. He's, uh, he's in the other room. He's getting a video camera. Don't worry about it. You just sit and work it out and see if you can do anything with it. Mm. And our heroine is pretty good at it. She starts to solve it. Yeah, and she the, the old lady's like, there's been a few others, but it's not... Mm. They haven't done it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so uh, you're like, hmm, okay, what's been going on here? So um, our uh, hero is solving the puzzle. Yeah. And she's almost solved it's almost it. almost there. And then she stops. Yeah. And she wants to meet the sun. Mm-hmm. And then the old lady gets a gun out and says, right, <laughs> yeah. you're going to finish this puzzle. Mm-hmm. And, and so they then start talking about what the puzzle actually is, yes, element configuration, and basically or a le Marchant configuration. Yeah, basically, the old lady says my son solved the puzzle mm-hmm. years ago. The Cenobites came, and they did things to him, but he escaped. No, she says they came, and our narrator says the Cenobites. So she yes. knows about it. All of, we realise that she knows about this. Yes, she does. Yeah. Which um, we haven't been told in the narration. Yes. We're just told through the dialogue here, mm-hmm. which is really, really nice way of revealing it, rather than saying, and of course I knew about this already. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he basically escapes. Yeah, he, he's like Frank. He has escaped from hell, and his mum said she'll look after him. So it implies that she's been getting people you know, for him to kill and drink the blood of and that sort of thing, like Frank does. Yeah, so she's been using this puzzle thing to get people there so he can kill them. Uh, But now she's finally had enough. But yeah, she said, actually, this is, she's going, well, this is a bit of a weird plan because why are you having me solve the box? And she's like, because I want the Cenobites to take him back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There is a limit to maternal obligation. (laughs) She's like, I don't, I can't be having my son here, just bringing people for him to murder. No, I've had enough now. Yeah. So then there's a struggle And the old woman ends up being shot Yep Shot and killed She kills her And then our hero Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Decides to start torturing the son by shooting him But he can't die It's amazing She knows he can't die But can feel the pain And she says she's going to keep torturing him Until he tells her everything she wants to know Mm. So there we are And uh, (laughs) I love it He eventually answered all my questions Then I let him feed off the blood of his mother And left (laughs) (laughs) took the puzzle with me yeah and put it on the shelf with the others Ooh, so this is a little twist we get now yeah that this girl has been solving these puzzles or collecting them at least yeah she's basically she knows all about it she's been collecting people's stories of solving the puzzle yeah she's been there watching people solving the puzzles and what she tends to do is she opens it right up until the last minute and then gives it to someone else to finish. Yeah. And they open it. They open it. And and she's Naughty basically... Naughty girl. <laughs> so she's basically getting people to solve the puzzle and finding out about people doing it so she can get all the information together mm. so that one day she yeah. can do it herself Yeah, and win the glories foretold. <laughs> um, so she's got this huge plan. Yeah. Of, that she's one day going to solve the puzzle box. Definitely. And add another... Well, mm-hmm. until then, she's going to keep adding stories to her collection. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's a really good twist. Yeah. Great twist. It is a very good twist. Um, another good... Lovely story, that. ...good story where yeah. it is a puzzle. I mean, that's the thing is with with Hellraiser. It's always a puzzle. It's yeah. always a mystery to be unlocked. And you, you, you constantly think, oh, I know where this is going, mm-hmm. and then it changes. Oh, I know where this is going, and then it changes. Yeah. Uh, So it's very well done. Yeah. So just like the comics, each story is different and each story has a different way of opening portals to hell or different play on the puzzle box, the Lament Configuration. Yeah. And again, goes to show what an amazing world Clive Barker created in the first place, that all these people can have such different stories about this mythology. Mm. And they're all really good. They're all really entertaining. Yeah. But they're so different. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all kind of looking at a different facet of of the themes. And you think about the movies and the movies that they go on; they are more or less different. <laughs> the yeah, sequels, yeah, but they're just in no way as interesting as these. Mm. It's it's really it's, bad. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> unfortunate that it's the unfortunate. films decided that they had to focus entirely on puzzle box. Cenobites turn up, Mm. you know, that kind of thing. Whereas you see here, you know, it's more about the ideas and the themes that that's the most interesting thing. Yeah. You know, definitely what's going on. Uh, Although saying that, if you did do a film without a puzzle box, you get so many people online going, there was no puzzle box. It was rubbish. (laughs) But I mean, (laughs) this book definitely shows how the films could have continued. Definitely. In the vein of Hellraiser. Yeah and uh, it would have been really interesting brilliant yeah fantastic well that wraps up this podcast the first seven stories on a later podcast we are going to carry on through the book so we're going to split those up in amongst other things so our next podcast which will be with you soon is going to be another commentary we're going to carry on through the commentaries this time Hellraiser Bloodline whoa so if you've listened to our conversations about Bloodline you'll know that we're not massive fans of the finished product Mm -hmm. because of things that happened. So go back listen to our podcast about Bloodline and our podcast about the original script versus what finally got made. And we'll sit and watch the film with you next time. Yeah. And have a couple of drinks. versus Jacques. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come to France. (laughs) So we're going to do our Bloodline commentary next, so we'll look forward to that. Yeah. Thank you all for listening so much Don't forget we've got a website HellraiserPodcast.com Join us on Facebook And on Twitter At HellraiserCast And thank you very much Thank you Phil Thank you Peter And we'll see you very soon Goodbye Bye for now